Give him a hand. <laughs> this is mine. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> well, hello. Arise. I'm, you've got me again. I'm doing an album this morning and preaching, singing, you know, the whole hog. So. Good message um, on communion, communion Ruth. It was good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, so I only found out I was preaching like two days ago. Um, so Jim was meant to be here, but just a bit of a reshuffle. So Jim's not a taskmaster. He doesn't make me like sing and preach all the time, which is good. Um, but yeah, so I was excited. So um, I actually shared this message with our church um, about a month ago. Um, but I still feel like it's this church, it's a word for like obviously God's church as a whole. Um, yeah, so, um, and I kind of tweaked it a bit just to kind of have some freshness to it. So anyway, so I'll just pray quickly. Um, so yeah, Lord, thank you so much that we can just come together this morning and just hear about you and learn about you, Lord. And yeah, just keep my words like truthful, Lord, and um, just keep me um, close to you this morning. And I just pray that every heart in this room is just um, open and receiving and um yeah, we just thank you just for who you are, Lord, and just how much you love us, God. And it's just so awesome that we get to be followers of you, God. Amen. All right. Now, I'll try not to read too much, but it's going to happen, so here we go. Um, so today I'm going to talk about um, what it means to be a kingdom people. Um, and this is something, as Christians, when we say yes to God, that we're called to be and um, are people who live for the kingdom of God. Um, and because we are kingdom people, like we want to spend time with God first of all, and that's like in our worship, in reading his word and in prayer. And, and essentially that's how we, like, we get to know him more um, and we understand his nature, his ways. And incredibly, we even get to know who we are in our, as our true selves the more we spend time with God. And we know who we are in Christ. And then from that, we understand our role in his kingdom. So that was a lot to take in then. But, um, and I believe that knowing who we are in Christ is actually the key to bringing his kingdom, which is heaven, to earth. And it's our identity in him which fosters our ability to act. And it's like a boldness to take risks, to love one another, to build his house on earth, and to see his kingdom come. So this is where I want to take us today. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, um, we're going to go to First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Um, so in the Bible it says that God is after a kingdom participators, not spectators. So it's active kings and queens in his kingdom. So First Peter says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. So right now, on this very morning, we are kings and queens of heaven on earth. And this role is ours to step into like from this minute on. And it's a verse that we've heard like loads before, um, but it's hard to stay in that kingly headspace without relying on our own goodness or our own works. 
Second uh, Corinthians four one says, "Now it's because of God's mercy that we have um, entrusted been entrusted with the privilege of this new covenant ministry, and from this we will not quit or faint with weariness." I think some of my translations are actually the Passion, so it might be a bit loose. But um, just because I love the Passion, I recommend getting it. Not as your main Bible, but it's a real beautiful translation um, of God's Word. It's quite poetic if you don't have it. And there's the New Testament and Psalms and so on in it at the moment. Um, Yeah, so it's by His mercy, not our own strength, that we are sustained to do His work. And as followers of Christ, we're called to live holy lives with Him in us. And it's through his mercy in covenant ministry with him. Now, if you're like me, we need to take in these scriptures on identity quite often. So we're not to be consumed by our own mind, will, and emotions. Um, And our thoughts and emotions, they like to tell us who we are. And they tend to take the place of what God really says about us. And if you're feeling today like that's you, that you've become like a bit of a slave to your emotions, be encouraged because the Bible is full of people who were swayed by emotions and they lost sight of their place in the kingdom and how much God loves them, but he didn't give up on them and he doesn't give up on us. We're not the first Christians to grapple with God's covenant either in his redemption of us and his way of calling us out. So we're going to go to the Old Testament right now and um, identity was something that um, Israel struggled with too for a lot of the Old Testament. God was constantly reminding Israel of his promises, how he had come through for them and of the covenant he had made with them. Now I want us to flick to Ezekiel chapter 16. I think we're going to go from verse 4, Luke, uh, which is called God's love for Jerusalem, or in some translations it's actually called Jerusalem, the unfaithful woman. Now it's a, pas- it's a passage of identity which is tragic and beautiful. And it's a word given to Jerusalem through the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, Going back to the beginning, God uses Ezekiel to remind Jerusalem of her former brokenness and how he rescued her from slavery. In depicting Jerusalem as a woman, in this passage we see that God adopts her in as a tossed aside infant. He restores her in her youth and then redeems her fully into womanhood. But more than that, he even chooses to enter into a covenant relationship with her, a marriage almost. He's her kingly salvation. So this is God speaking to Jerusalem, his, um, his bride. Chapter, verse 4. On the day you were born, your navel cord was cut. In, sorry. On the day you, day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were, you were not rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling cloths. No eye pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you, but you were thrown out into the open field when you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. And when I passed by you and I saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. I made you thrive like a plant in the field, And you grew, you matured, and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed, your hair grew, but you were naked and bare. When I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing over you, and I covered your nakedness. 
Yes, I swore an oath to you, and I entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord God. Then I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off all your blood, and I anointed you with oil. I clothed you in embroidered cloth and gave you sandals of badger skin. I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments. I put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a jewel in your nose, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate pastry of fine flour, honey, and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty. Your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor which I had bestowed upon you, says the Lord God. That's pretty cool. So this passage of scripture I read early in the year, and it literally marked my heart. Um, It's got this real sense of God's redemption of me um, from my former self to who I was now. And I've been a Christian all my life, essentially. And um, it's like a penny dropped in me in terms of like how he saw me and what he actually brought me through. And it's been a huge breakthrough for me in like my own like sin and like things that I've like fought with and tried to stop doing my own life, like habitual sins. And um, just the fact that when you see someone and you remember how much he's brought you from and the beauty he's bestowed upon you, even though you weren't deserving of it, there's something that breaks, um, addiction, it breaks bondages, it breaks chains literally in the spirit when our spirit reads something like that. So I, I don't know, I just really want to encourage you guys just to meditate on this like throughout your week. It's just such a great like illustration of what he's done for us. No, it's not in my notes. <laughs> um, yeah, so we are Jerusalem to God in this story, like I was just saying. And for me personally, I love stories, poetry, songs, and movies about love, especially redemptive love. God designed us for his love. And this verse is such an extravagant and reckless portrayal of God's love. And again, that song we sang this morning, it's a bit of a new one. But yeah, just get that in your spirit, like his reckless love. Like reckless means like, not in the sense of like chaotic, but it's actually like it's in, the, in this sense, it just means it's not like warranted, like it means basically it's so crazy that he loves us, but he does. And from that passage that I read out, there's a lot in it and we can chew on it for hours, but I just want to, I felt like the Lord was saying, um, even this morning again, um, like listen to this, this is exactly how I see you, how I've dressed you and adorned you in my very best and how how I continue to make you beautiful. This is who I've called you to be in my name and set you apart as mine. And like Jerusalem, we were all bloodied and broken, and it's his great love and compassion that drove him to save us. And that same love compels us into his arms again. Like He literally took us in our brokenness and shame and clothed us, and not in rags, but in robes of righteousness. And we need to see ourselves dressed like this daily. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, For I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation, and he has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. 
and as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. We are now royalty, and he has cleansed us and cleaned us up and entered into an eternal covenant with us, his people, his bride. And it's his mercy and goodness that did all that, not us. Just quickly, if you go on to read on for the rest of that story, it's actually quite a horrible story. So it's nice just to read that bit. Um, But basically, Jerusalem, she fails in her role as a faithful bride. Why? Because she lost sight of the king, how much he loved her, and she forgot her own testimony. She forgot the broken place God himself had brought her from, and she stopped seeing herself as a queen. Seeing herself as royalty in the kingdom is hard, especially when we're struggling with sin or our own physical environment. And especially when those things don't line up with the promises of God's word. Plus, shame can so often take us out. We know the worst bits about ourselves, our thoughts, our habits, the things we do in private. And they can make us run away from God instead of running to him like we should. We fear being caught out. Many of us fear our fellow man even. Which is where we place value on what others think about us more than what God does. And as kingdom people, a fear of man will stop us from doing exactly what we're supposed to do for God's kingdom. John Bloom says it like this, The fear of man immobilizes us when we should take action and gags us into silence when we should speak. It feels powerful, but its power is deceptive. And that's why the Bible commands us to fear the Lord. Now, growing up, that whole concept of fearing the Lord used to terrify me. Same with like God's wrath, all these things in the Bible. That's like you kind of want to skip over them, like, in the Bible when you're reading it, because it's a bit, you know, it's not nice. But the fear of the Lord, and I know I'm not preaching anything new this morning for some people, but um, it's mentioned a lot in the Old Testament, and it basically just means, like, when you fear something, you value it, like, it's like, it's like a reverential fear, obviously, and it's like we, the value of the person, like, you want to please them so much, so you fear doing things that would upset them almost. Um, it's almost like in a marriage, you love someone so much that you want to please them. You respond out of that because of, out of love. So Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 to 13. I hope these verses are right, Luke. Sometimes I get a bit way like lost. Um, and now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. So we're to love God supremely and fear Him supremely. Godly love and fear are not mutually exclusive. We love Him, so we fear Him. And like Jerusalem, our fear, shame, and a false perception of God and his goodness can stop us from stepping into our role as kings or queens. You know, and I've battled with fear of man a lot in my life, but I'm learning to understand his nature, his goodness, and how God sees me, so I want to please him. I choose to love him more than I fear man. And despite my past and even current imperfections, his love qualifies me and you, and his mercy makes us all able. Paul talks about kingdom people being carriers of God's mercy. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. 
which says, For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time you knew nothing of God's mercy, because you hadn't received it yet, but now you are drenched with it. Now that's the Passion Translation. But I love that. I just love that, um, that sense of being drenched in his mercy. And again, mercy is one of those words that's very Christianese. Um, and I just felt like when I was preparing for this, I wanted to like understand it for itself in like a theological sense. But basically, mercy is the, um, the basis of God's kingdom covenant with us. God's mercy, it's a character of his nature, drove him to forge our relationship with us his people, and even though we absolutely do not deserve to be in relationship with him. So by accepting his mercy, it's all him, it's by him, it's through him that we can minister and walk as royal priests. And he pursued us with his mercy, and he poured it out, and now we carry it out within us. It's only our perspective that changes, and he doesn't. He's always good and compassionate. And he continues to pursue us, and he wants us to experience his fullness. His word says that his mercy and his love are actually on us. Psalm 23 verse 7 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So it's a new thing every day, which is really like amazing Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 says through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is your faithfulness the Lord is my portion says my soul therefore I hope in him so while we aren't perfect our salvation makes us so as royal priests, and we walk as ones who are fully received and are filled with Christ to then give out to others. We need not wait until we get to heaven either to be like this. We don't do this life first and then go to heaven next. Eternity starts now. So just quickly in these last few minutes, I want to give you some quick points on what I believe the Bible says about living as kingdom people. Point one. Uh, kingdom people know they are saved by his grace and not by works. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. So it's not from us. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So the power of our salvation is our foundation. It's by grace and not our good works or thoughts that we have entered the kingdom. Jesus Christ's sacrifice fulfilled the law, and it's he who has saved us from ourselves. He saved us from an eternity of separation from God and made us righteous by his blood once and for all. And if you don't know this as a personal truth in your life today, accepting his salvation is the first step in the most like, incredible journey you could ever start, which is being a Christian. And I'd love to pray with anyone in the room. I know most of you. If that's you. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, chapter, uh, point two. Kingdom people know that they are adopted into the kingdom. So we're not just saved. Um, I'll read the verse first, actually. Ephesians chapter one, verse five says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
And in love, he predestined us for adoption into sonship or daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely has given us in the one he loves. So not only are we no longer slaves to our sin, we actually haven't been left to fend for ourselves. He didn't release us from bondage just so we could like, um, be wonderingly, wondering, waiting for his return. He actually adopted us into his family as sons and as heirs in his kingdom. But in preparing this message, I felt like to say this as well. It's a bit off-center, but I'll say it. Um, we do have to be strategic about how we spend um, our time. Um, as part of the like, kingdom people, we choose to fervently seek him, and we remain sensitive to being led by the Holy Spirit. So it's like we get a present, and then we have to decide to actually unwrap it. We still have to do that part. We position ourselves and press in as he pours out. Point three, kingdom people consume his word like it's food for the soul. Food is good. Um, so God speaks to us by our studying of his word and listening to his word, often spoken by Jesus in the Bible, in the, in the New Testament. So John 6.35 says, And Jesus said to the people, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never be hungry. Who who believes in me shall never be thirsty. So Jesus is the word spoken by God who reveals God to us in the most complete way possible. That we come to know God when we hear his word, this, this word and we accept that word into our minds, our hearts and our spirit. And we let that word, word begin to change us. Matthew seven twenty four to 26 says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise, the winds beat against the house. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. And this morning, if you're feeling unstable in your faith or even unsure of what God wants you to do in life, can I say just start by reading his word and then be obedient to his word. Don't bow to your own mind, will, and emotions. And just let his word provide clarity and a sense of change in you. And it's a journey. Like, you won't get it right the first time. The other big, big seeking aspect of kingdom people is worship, which I love. First <laughs> um, Chronicles 16.9 says, Sing to him, praise... Sorry, sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face, face always. Now for me per, uh, personally, worship has been absolutely life-changing. Spending time in his presence and lifting up his name has been pivotal for me in loving him more and understanding his heart. For me, for others, and for his kingdom. And essentially, worship's transformative. Psalm 33, which is called a song of praise, puts it perfectly. And I've got the Message Bible translation here, and it says, 
Uh, I don't have the verse, Luke, sorry. Uh, Good people cheer God. Right living people sound best when praising. And I just think that's awesome. We We are our best versions of ourselves when we praise him and when we seek him and when we spend time in his presence. Just a side note, if you don't like who you are, if you think you have character-ish flaws, which I think we all, we all do, we all have certain things that we know we're not you know, happy with, just worship him. Start worshiping him. You'll be surprised at the stuff that falls off you. I started lifting up my worship to him long before I felt worthy to be in his presence. but I still come to him with an offering. And I've learned to praise him through my brokenness, and he always comes through. Okay, again, like the word, worship realigns our minds with our renewed hearts. And it's and refreshed him with the right perspective of who we are. We actually desire him, and, just, and we desire to serve him more. Point five, um, kingdom people are vessels and co-laborers with Christ. The Bible says that God wants us to partner with him in the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. God's simply wanting, waiting for us to let him cultivate himself in us and to build us to, fu- to our full capacity. Psalm 92 verse 10 from the Passion says, Your anointing has made me strong and mighty. You've empowered my life for triumph by pouring fresh oil over me. In other words, his outpouring and anointing of oil, it empowers our, empowers our life for triumph. We're his vessels, his conduits, and we carry that anointing. He entrusts us to carry his anointing oil. But again, the onus lies on us to remain empty so we can be filled by him. And by that, we're sustained by him. Only then are we truly ready to pour out and serve others who need fresh oil too. Otherwise, it's just our gift or it's our self, you know, um, doing good deeds and good things. And it can look the same on the outside, but it's not sustainable. And it's important to understand this to stop feeling, stop from getting burnt out. When you're actually filled with him, you actually have this incredible amount of energy that you can actually do lots more for the kingdom when it's purely acting out of his, his anointing and his, in his strength. It's my last one, two more points. How am I going for time? That's all right. It's a bit long. Sorry, that's my place. Okay, kingdom people are um, are being renewed to become more like him, which is awesome. Second Corinthians four sixteen says, "Therefore we do not lose heart, though our outward man is decaying, yet our in- inward man is renewed day by day." So, in reality, being a kingdom people is letting go of our flesh failings and is the daily surrendering of our soul. It's the subduing of our mind, will, and emotions, like I said before. 
So we have to wake up and decide to be kingdom people. And it's this great surrender, because it can be a battle, you know, to line up our thoughts with his word and engage in praise and worship when we're feeling tired. And as for being led by emotions, I'm terrible for that. Daniel can vouch for the craziness I often share with him. <laughs> Text message. Texting. I mean, there's a lot that goes on in here. Um, yeah, what are, what are friends for? Hey? Um, but through God's goodness that I'm, I'm being very honest here, I'm being less swayed by my feelings and I'm learning to hand over my thoughts to God. And it's a journey that I'm personally taking with him and it's actually brought him and I closer together. And I love this verse. Philippians 1, 1.6 says, For I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. We all have stuff, but be encouraged. When we said yes to him, he set his intent on seeing us through the transformation till the end, and he won't leave you where you are. That's my final point. Kingdom people, they love Christ and they love like Christ. So as we become more like him in our transformation, our love for people, our fellow Christians and the lost, it actually grows because loving others is crucial. John thirteen thirty five says, Your love for one another will prove to, be to the world that you are my disciples. So the way we love each other and love like him, this will actually draw people into his kingdom. It's actually the best evangelism you could ever do. And be encouraged, if you're not a confident person and don't like talking to people in the street or going up to people and praying for people in the street or whatever, just start by loving the person that is in your world who doesn't know God without expecting anything from them back and without expecting a change in their behavior. People see Christ in us when we love each other like Christ loves us and they want in in other words, your transformation can actually lead to another person's salvation. That's the power of loving one another. So as kingdom people, it's so important just to even do life together, eating meals, praying for each other, sharing in the highs and the lows, and just reminding each other of how much God loves us. That's community, and that's kingdom living. Because love is just so important to God. He is love. And then in Matthew, it's his greatest commandment. Chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus replies to the religious scholar who asks him, which of all, the great, of all the commandments is the greatest commandments to uphold? It says, Jesus answered him, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all your energy, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is like it in importance. You must love your friend in the same way you love yourself. We are loved, so we learn to receive love, and then we love others, those who can't love themselves. And the world needs us to serve in it as heaven's lovers, because it needs to see and experience Jesus. And if you're not sure of what that looks like for you personally, again, seek him and he'll reveal it to you. But really, he just wants you to experience him. 
his love and also outwork his love on earth. Just start by getting into his presence, like I said. Worship, read his word, just start by praying and talking to him. We discover him and and experience his love by doing this. And my final um, verse is Ephesians 3.18, which says, Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to the overflowing with the fullness of God. That's a lot in there. And it's just, yeah, we can read that again, but we won't. Read it when you get home. The best part about experience is fullness and serving in his kingdom is that you don't have to get it right all the time. And as we step out, he perfects us. And some of us just need to take that next step. He's the king and he's merciful. He's loving and he's good and he's for us. And as ones that he's called out and redeemed and then continues to restore He's our biggest supporter and the greatest love we'll ever know. It's something all the earth will know as we respond to him and as we outwork his love back into our own worlds. Um, I might get the acoustic up if that's all right. Now, I felt, when I was preparing this message too, I felt um, to finish with a verse of, of the Bible that we've probably all read loads of times, um, Romans 8. But I just felt um, really, really strongly, um, we did it at Seacoast as well, it's just to, um, I felt like everything I've shared this morning, it's all based on identity, everything, like all the, the things of acting out and doing things for God and pressing into Him. And if we don't understand that foundation of who we are because of our salvation, then it's like building a house upon sand. So it needs to be like that rock that we, that we build our, our understanding of, of God on and, and what, our, what our role is in the kingdom of God. So this morning, I'm just going to read, um, if we want to close our eyes, I just want to prophesy... Um, just declare over you once again um, what Romans 8 says about us as Christians, as ones who, who have accepted Christ and are, and are no longer slaves to our sin. For there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, The power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin, which leads to death. God God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son and declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice in our place. And he did this so you no longer follow your sinful nature, but you follow the Spirit.
and now changed, you think about things that please the Holy Spirit. And now Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And so, just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He gives life to your bodies by the same Spirit living within you. For you are now those who are by the Spirit of, the Spirit of God. You are children of God. For you have not received a Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when He adopted you in as His own children. And now we call out to Him, Abba, Father. And His Spirit, it joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And so, since we are His children, we are His heirs. Yes, together, with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Forever and ever, Amen. Why don't we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you so much that first of all you saved us, Lord. And that you chose to deliver us from our own slavery so then you could actually clothe us in your own righteousness, Father. Clothe us in your own beauty, your own transforming, your own transforming ways, Lord. And when we said yes to you, God, you took that as, as permission to continue to transform us and to make us more like you, God. To be transformed into your image from glory to glory. To walk in your ways, God. It's the desires of our heart is to walk in your ways, to walk close to you, to be like you, Father. To do the things that please you, God. To serve you, God. To love you, God to be more like you, God, to spend every waking moment of our lives thinking about you, wanting to be more like you, Lord, wanting to do things that please your heart. And this morning, I just pray over every person in this room, and I just pray over um, a recommissioning back into the kingdom of, of God, a recommissioning that says, yes, I will step up and I will fight for the kingdom that I've have been a part of, but maybe I wasn't seeing what God was seeing. Maybe I was missing the point. Maybe I was missing the mission. I said yes to you, but maybe I wasn't seeing exactly what you wanted me to do, Father. So God, it's not a recommitment to salvation this morning, but it's it's seeing more of his kingdom and more of his glory and saying, yes, I actually want more of that. I actually now see you how you see me. Though the crown may have been knocked from my head, it's been placed back on my head.
Though I might have dressed myself in rags again, I've now redressed in that robe of righteousness. The jewels are back on. The sandals are back on my feet. And I can walk in your mercy and your grace before you, God, once again. And I am worthy to worship you and praise you. And it's by your love, your reckless love, that I can do that. So God, we say thank you for reminding us of exactly how you see us, Lord. Exactly how you've made us. Exactly how you've called us out. Exactly how you've given us a brand new identity, a brand new family, a brand new hope, a brand new reason to live. And from that, we want others to experience that, Lord. Put that fire back inside of us that says, yes, I want to go and bring more people in to your kingdom. More people need to experience this. More people need to experience you. And I pray it becomes the the primary reason for our existence this morning, God. Not our jobs, not our not even our families. Good things, they're good things, but they're not the reason why we exist. You're right, yeah, right now I just really declare and praise yeah, like a spirit of evangelism over the people in this room this morning, Lord. We break away any walls, any fear, any intimidation, any fear of man, Lord, and we replace that with the fear of God. A godly fear, a love of God that drives people into the ability just to share you confidently and boldly. And it's going to be something that's within them. It's your spirit acting out in them. It's not their own gift. Which means shy people, you can, you can still speak to people. Confident people, you can still listen to people. We say yes to that Lord this morning. And God, our hearts are open to what you want to do for our weeks, for the months ahead, even for next year, 2018, Lord. some of us is going to be a brand new start to a brand new year in certain areas of our lives, Lord. I pray that you lead us in that in those areas. I pray that you continue to be with us, just walk with us in those, speak quietly to us, whisper in our ears, tell us the things that you want us to know, Lord. And finally, I pray for a, a, a freshness of wanting to read your word and spend time with you, Lord. I pray for a reawaking of intimacy this morning. A rededication of our time, Lord. Time is more precious than money these days. If we could buy time, Lord, we would. And I pray that we're wise with our time this, um, this morning. We choose to spend each second diligently, Lord. A second away from you is a second wasted, Lord. Help us to be strategic with how we spend our resource, Lord. For the sake of the world, we have to be, Lord. And we offer all this and more to you this morning in our prayers, Lord. And above all, we just say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. 
Thank you, Lord, for your reckless love. Why don't we stand? We'll just sing this song at the end and close the service. Hey.